What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Another episode with a content marketer who is doing things right. I am so excited to share this conversation with you. One of my favorites since I've been back. I'm talking with Joanna, who does content marketing at Animals. Are you familiar with animals? You should be familiar with animals. They do kick-ass content marketing. It's a content marketing company. So many of their articles I've come across, and it's been helpful. It's been inspiring to me as I'm back into the B2B marketing game. Definitely go hit their website, check out what they're doing. But I had so much fun talking with Joanna about her point of view on the content space, her background, just a lot of good nuggets. Make sure you pull out the notepad. Definitely, if you like what you've been hearing, Hit that subscribe button. Join our wait list. You're going to get our newsletter. We're sending it to you every week. We won't spam you. We promise you. Follow us at Meet Fathom on Twitter, at the 3C Podcast, on Instagram, and on TikTok. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I am really excited for today's episode. I have Joanna with Animals. I know if you've been consuming any B2B content at all, there's a high likelihood that you've run into an animal's post. Some of my favorite content marketing on the web, and I like it because it's always informative, it's different, and um, it gives me something to think about in terms of what I'm doing in my role in day-to-day trying to launch this company. Without further ado, though, Joanna, how are you today? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? I can't, I can't complain. It is, you know, in the Midwest here in India, I'm looking out. It is, there's snow. It's like 15 degrees. And I try not to watch the news, but before I started my day, I had the local news on and they were just talking about how a snow front is coming in. And it's just like, I don't know. I'm at home all day any day anyway, so it doesn't really bother me, but it would be nice to see some sun and some nice weather coming at some point. Oh yeah, I I have never in my life woken up every morning like a like a little kid and just wished for summer this hard. Actually, yesterday I'm in Durham, North Carolina. We had some really nice sunny weather. A coworker in Boston uh, was posting about how he had to step away from his desk to go dig out his car. And I sent him a selfie from my hammock. And I said, good luck with that. <laughs> it's the rudest thing I've ever done on Slack. <laughs> but yeah, we we had one shining, beautiful day of 60 degree weather. And then the rest of the forecast for the week is freezing rain. So it's just a, it's an unpleasant time to be a person. It is an unpleasant time to be a person. I think, so we were talking before, obviously this call in preparation and getting to uh, know each other and did the whole thing, how people meet these days. It's like someone hears about someone else, they end up messaging in Slack or on LinkedIn or whatever and we got to talking and I know you have a ton to talk about in terms of just content marketing and talking about just the career path of a content marketer today. Um, Just maybe some hot takes on content marketing and how that fits in with digital marketing. So maybe we start from the top. I, I know you are new in your role at Animals. I'd love to hear maybe talk about the process you went through to make that change and transition into a new company. And then also, maybe just share what how you got involved in the content marketing space. 
Yeah, sure. I'll start at the top then with animals. Uh, my former company, Propel PLM, was talking with my mentor there, uh, Bianca Sholu, who's probably one of the most brilliant demand gen marketers like alive today. We were just talking about how funny it is, like content marketing's this scattered, all over the place kind of motley crew of people who were English and history majors who now are need healthcare and <laughs> that we kind of like trip into this industry and that there isn't really a clear career path of like, well, of course, you know, in the same way that you would start out as a junior front end developer and then a senior front end developer and then an engineering manager kind of path, there isn't that for content marketing. And in my like career insanity, Google search, you know, what's the meaning of my life kind of like, I should go back and look at the history of my Google searches in, in November. Um, <laughs> I came across uh, Superpath, which is a kind of spin-out company from uh, former Animals alumni, Jimmy Daly. And I came across a content marketing career path diagram. And I'm such a visual person that I was immediately like, oh my gosh, my people, they're here. <laughs> they exist. And there's 2,000 of them on a Slack channel that I didn't know about. And um uh, everybody's joining the Superpath Slack every day and going, oh my gosh, I had no idea my people were here. So it's really sweet. There's there's a surprising amount of us out there. I think uh, most companies usually just have one content marketing person or somebody who's happening to wear the content marketing hat. And so I think it was just really cool to see that there were thousands of us. So I, I came on board to Animals uh, to be with my people. And uh, that's been a great call. So I will say, I don't think we've even talked about this. I, we might have. I've talked to several people about this, but I am involved in the Superpath group and it's absolutely outstanding. So I just got to, I don't think it's been plugged yet on the show. If you oh, are, really? yeah, if you're into content marketing, you've got to be involved in this group. Jimmy does an unfreaking believable job of facilitating this conversation. I actually wrote a blog post about, I don't even know what Superpath does, but as we launch this company, I'm going to be interested just based on the value that this group and meeting people like you, what that has done for me. So I'm fired up about the group. I had a comment. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. It's, it is a really wholesome place on the internet. It's, it's very positive. It's really fun. People from all over the world, um, which is really cool. I love like content marketing from an international perspective instead of like a super Western US perspective. So it's just like constant stuff to be learned there. And yeah, it's, it's amazing. And uh, shout out, uh, Jimmy just celebrated the birth of his child. I'm forgetting the gender and gender is a construct anyway, but um, you know, congratulations to him, uh, new dad. So uh, yeah, is it, it's a really, I, I'm, I've been grateful for just kind of tripping into this super insular world where there's a bunch of content marketers all together because I think most of us are used to being like the lone weirdo updating the CMS and like looking at Google Analytics and trying to explain to our manager why we have to refresh a web page and uh, why we have to stop building our website on Wix. I shouldn't name names, but <laughs> with the violence in my heart against Wix. Yeah, like there, <laughs> there's, it, it is really good to find your people. And I think it can be really powerful for your career. And I assume a lot of people listening to this podcast are invested in growing their content marketing career. So for sure. One of the quotes I wrote down that I loved, and I want you to just attack it, is you said content marketers attracts writers because no one else will pay us, which <laughs> I 
the 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 honesty in that message is is so rich. Talk a little bit about where you're coming from with that one. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, uh, so I came from indie journalism. I wrote for Triad City Beat based out of Greensboro, um, which is a super alternative, funky newspaper. Amazing uh, experience. Incredible editors there. But, um, you know, just just working there and how watching how much my editors were able to pay themselves. And we we're watching all these journalism newsrooms get gobbled up. We're watching unions get squished, the lone couple of survivors with like Gimlet Media and a couple other folks. But yeah, I mean, there's, there are many, many, many long articles you can read about all these uh, large news corporations gobbling up smaller uh, outlets. So I think if, if there ever were kind of article news driven roles before, I think there's got to be I don't know what the numbers are, but it's got to be a a small fraction of what was there five or 10 years ago when most of us were going to college um, and writing for our school papers and stuff, which is, which is tough. It's, it's something to grieve on a lot of levels. If you care about, you know, just learning about what's going around the world from an objective uh, enough point of view. And then, you know, of course, if you're not a novel writer with the right connections, the right publisher, the right agent and that sort of thing, I think uh, writing is just, it's like breathing. Like it's, to me, maybe, maybe not to other people, but I, uh, I, there's so many of us and everybody has their own unique point of view and something to offer that I think content marketing is a really part of, part of what makes content marketing successful is that it attracts people with these really rich backgrounds who have something to say and they choose to say it for a company, but it's, it's what makes brands come alive is because there are these passionate, talented people that are writing for them which, and, and then all of us are very passionate. So whenever we get together on a podcast, it just lights up a room. So yeah, I think it's a special world. Yeah. And I think, so the, the purity in the way that is laid out is the, in my head, I hear, I am a college student who loves to write and I want to be a journalist. So I'm going to go to school to be a journalist. You get out of college, you try to find work probably doesn't pay well. And then next thing you know, it maybe you love your job, but it's because of the way the world is moving. The newspaper closes and, or gets gobbled up by a big conglomerate. And now the content or the journalist is stuck trying to find work. Well, work is available in the B2B marketing space with SaaS companies who are in need of content producers and writers. And so that's how a lot of people end up being content marketers. Um, yeah. And I think, I think that's fascinating. And something else you said about writing every day and how it makes you feel, there's a freelancer who I actually met in the Superpath group. His name's Dom Kent. And I think he's just a very smart guy. He writes really good pieces that are informative and they help me, but he's been on this like rant recently about like producing and writing every day. And I have gravitated to his message of writing every day. And that's what I've been trying to do for our company. And I can't tell you, it just makes me so happy because I'm, I'm able to exercise my thought. I'm able to kind of dust off some old skills and write like a real person. And it makes me feel good when those pieces, uh, get sent out into the madness that is the internet. So a lot of what you described, I think I can relate with, and I'm sure a lot of other content marketers that are listening can too. 
Yeah, it's it's I love hearing that you are sitting down and writing every day and coming alive. I think a lot about just like a post-industrial world alienates us from our labor, right? Like we're, you know, the the artificial invention of the light bulb uh, kind of replacing daylight systems uh, in our world. And a lot of a lot of things kind of pull us away from the things that we truly love to do. And I think it, it is revolutionary to sit down and actually just jot down some thoughts and feel yourself light up and go, wow, this is actually what I want to be doing. I think long-term content marketing, it can be tough to have that relationship with your writing where you're also doing it for like a software company. But I don't know. I, I like uh, being able to feel a little bit more connected to the work that I do and produce something, send it out, understand how it performs. It is satisfying work and it it, it is refreshing. It's not, not everybody gets to feel like that at work every day. Right. And, and maybe we can dive into bridging the gap between being a great writer and having thoughts and opinions and putting them out there. And then how that plays into working for a company that your job is to produce content for the company. And I think I've talked to a lot of marketers about this topic and there's this there's this really positive side of it and there's re- this really dark side of it where yes. you've got some content marketers that are just so fired up because the work that they get to do and how they write and produce aligns with the vision and values of the company that they're working for so it's a good fit others it's not a good fit because these companies are more interested in not necessarily providing value for the people that they're trying to market to, but they're mostly trying to provide value to the algorithms for which the mm-hmm. pieces of content that they're trying to produce play into. So it's this kind of balancing act. And I think there are people, it's been interesting. There's people that I've talked to that are really excited and some not so much. So maybe talk to me about just maybe What's your perspective on that? And any personal thoughts you have on that would be great too. I just, I love that. Please come on my podcast and talk about darkness. Um, you're, <laughs> you're my favorite. Um, <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, there's a, there's a really tight intersection between, uh, and I'm, a lot of people have several different thoughts about it. And I'm not postulating in any kind of direction, but I think there's a, a pretty close connection between uh, mental health and art And I think folks who are writers often come from a unique perspective that is not neurotypical. And I think people who are writers often gravitate towards jobs where their uh, neuroatypical approach is going to be respected and valuable. And uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, myself personally, I love, uh, it sounds silly to say, but I love talking about how depressed I am. I'm very clinically depressed. A lot of writers are. And I think, yeah, that relationship with the darkness of, Hey, I gotta, I gotta eat and I gotta write versus like, actually occasionally I can make a difference through my words. I think content marketers are uniquely positioned within companies to uh, push a brand in a better direction. If leadership is willing to listen to them, they're on social all day. They're listening to what other people are saying. Uh, They're looking at metrics every day. They understand how things are performing. They're understanding which messages are resonating with their target audience and, and which aren't. They are living and breathing a brand's message all the time, which means that they can have a bad taste in their mouth when that message is bad and when that message doesn't work. And um, I think it's a really useful feedback loop kind of role. 
if every leadership team listened to their content marketers, uh, they'd probably save themselves a seed round or two in wasted money. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, it's a when you, when you can be that intimate with how people are actually receiving a message. I'm thinking about uh, gosh, I've written quite a few things for quite a few companies, and some of it has felt honest to who I am without any friction internally with me, conflict, and some of it has been harder. I used to write blog posts for Verizon where I was talking about Motorola droid phones, you know, and like, and those blog posts needed to be written and I was 23 and needed a job, but every single word for those articles was like pulling something from deep within me and trying to structure logical sentences versus uh, a lot of the work that I'm doing at Animals is very directly aligned with things that I care about. So I think, yeah, on a content marketing career journey, you have to make those calls for yourself about when do you when do you stick it out and find it out. And of course, I always say, get other people on your team. You know, if, if you're seeing a company make some bad decisions that you don't agree with and, you know, you got some stock options you care about, uh, get a couple of your coworkers and, and organize and, and have that conversation. I think a lot of people don't realize how much power they have, especially in early stage tech companies to make a really positive difference that not only impacts the bottom line, but also impacts like environmental and social impacts of a company. And I would like to see more people getting excited about that, especially marketers. I don't, I kind of answered your question all over. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. And I appreciate your honesty about your mental health. I think that's something we as a business have been certainly mindful of and sharing, you know, our thoughts and opinions. We're running a campaign this week and all of the, instead of spending money on, Facebook advertising, instead of spending money on Google advertising, we're taking the money and donating it to a cause that is related to mental health awareness. And I was very honest in my promotion of this post to say, you know, I've suffered from anxiety and different mental health issues my my entire life. But the fact that, you know, we're all stuck at home, we're content marketers, we're writers, we're making it happen. There's so much that can go on in your heads and thoughts and that just the opportunity to just like talk about it and say, you know what, this is something that's going on. And, you know, I'm taught, I'm, I'm finding ways to alleviate some of those stress I have. I think that's important to me. And that's important to a lot of people in this community who are, who are dealing with different mental health issues. And I'm sure it hasn't gotten any uh, better uh, if they're just sitting at home and I'm not taking care of it. So I appreciate you uh, sharing your personal uh, experience there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If, uh, 2020, uh, if you didn't have anxiety before 2020, boy, howdy, do you have it now? You know, I, <laughs> I've come uh, April, like a month into being inside my house all the time. I, what, again, we got to check the Google search history for these <laughs> search queries that I put in. But I was like, do I have, what medications can I take? <laughs> I can't <laughs> think anymore. I can't think straight. And, you know, definitely like, especially in the light of everything that occurred this summer with police violence and stuff, just thinking about folks who are incarcerated or folks who are homebound in different ways. I just, yeah, it's been, you know, we're, we're all joking about it because if we don't joke about it, we're going to like, cackle and then cry <laughs> because this is this is an unprecedented difficult human time to share and it is inhuman for anyone to be working while watching their relatives die it's not okay <laughs> this is a this is a tough time 
And for every one employer that's being really thoughtful uh, and uh, about approaching that and giving space for personal days and Propel just like started offering us kind of like Fridays off left and right all summer, which is really, really like a lifesaver. But for every company that does that, there's 10 that aren't. And um, yeah, definitely my my heart goes out to those people. And if you're in one of those companies right now, you are not alone and, and you don't have to stay there forever. Yeah, this is this is a really, really, really tough time. And it's a tough time to write. I'm on this podcast right now because I'm procrastinating writing. <laughs> we all are. We all are <laughs> all on this podcast to not be writing any book. No, um, you know, because it's, you know, it, it, I noticed that it takes me twice as long to write something than it did in 2019. It is, uh, it is harder to be a content marketer now than it was uh, two years ago, in my opinion. So, so the content marketing in its, the, it, in its purest form is to produce articles that inspire, educate, build and develop and gain trust with the audiences that we're trying to build. And I think that's, there's so many different ways to do content marketing and so many different styles and messages and, you know, visuals, everything that goes into content marketing is fascinating to me. That's why I do it. Now, I think you've got this fun way that we can flex into our creativity and skill set and produce articles or blogs or, you know, podcasts, videos, whatever, and send them out to the world. Then there's this other component, which is like digital marketing, which content marketing fits into. Now, anybody who's been in consuming B2B content for the past five years, get hit with those experiences in the B2B marketing space that are terrible, like just brutal, full of friction, non-helpful blog posts that are full of keywords that just suck. You know, God forbid you go down the path and you want to, you're interested in the product, you read the article and you're stuck trying to fill out a form and you get the piece and you read it and then you're getting hammered by some SDR trying to sell you, you know, on the product or whatever. I mean, we've all gone through these experiences. So how do you think about these shitty, terrible experiences in digital marketing and the world you're living in in content marketing? And I know Animals is a great company and it's probably the exception to this rule in terms of this happening. But what what are your observations on this kind of the space between content marketing and digital marketing and what's happening oh, yeah. today. We can wade into the shit. Um, yeah, this, cause it is, <laughs> uh, we want a thought leadership piece. That's also an SEO piece. Okay. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's that balance between like, <laughs> we want um, anytime anybody says a goofy number that I know somebody made up for like a, a goal for blog views. Um, I like to say it in a cartoon voice. So it's like, we want 100,000 <laughs> views, you know. Uh, that was somebody at, at Animals who said 1 million views. So every time I see it, I read it out loud. 1 million views. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's this really ridiculous circus. Um, and, uh, and 1 million means a million different things, depending on what your actual brand goals are. You know, if you're going after enterprise customers, I'm so sorry, you're never going to get a million views on your blog. There aren't a million buyers. <laughs> there are not a million unique uh, enterprise decision makers. There's actually, it's a very small number of people. And we're all going after them. We're all driving these keywords up to be 50 bucks a pop. You know, this is, it is a really crowded space. And I think 
you know, even just watching some competitive keywords, uh, you know, rise in cost and stuff, it's giving me 2008 flashbacks, the like the housing market <laughs> of like, there's going to be a, a burst bubble at some point. And I, I'm surprised that marketers are not having conversations about AI and robotics um, in our careers. I think it's it's very it's like a very noticeable silence. Um, anytime I do see a marketer mention AI, my ears perk up. You know, folks like Writer, folks like Copy.ai, like there are these um, services out there that are going to come in and just totally change everything about how you would run a display campaign um, in a year or two. Is kind of mimicking, kind of will replicate ad copy sets for you. You can do that on copy.ai. You can feed it one line of copy and it will generate like 40 (laughs) suggested ad copy. And you can just copy and paste it into a Google sheet and run your ad. And what does that teach Google about how we're selling what we're selling? You know, so I I think it's, it's the snake eating its own tail for sure. I think both content marketing and digital marketing are going to look so different in five years. I'm encouraged by it um, because a lot of what automation, the good side of that we were talking about the light and the darkness of writing, a lot of the light and the darkness behind automation is that there is a promise of um, just a different relationship with labor. You know, what could it look like if a bot did all of your SEO side of your work and kind of pulled up and then you could just make a couple executive decisions on the top? And what if it pulled up 40 blog topics and you just grab the top 15 and pitch them to your client. And what if, you know, what if, what if you were able to have a longer, richer conversation with your client instead of sifting through uh, Google for a couple of hours? I think it could be really scary when we talk about robots coming for our jobs um, until you look at your job and go like, do you want to be doing half of that? Like, do you want to be working a 40 hour work week? I think most marketers could be working 20 hour weeks. If, and I think that could happen very quickly. And I don't know if anybody at any level is really prepared for that to happen. I don't know if the um, HubSpot 2021 inbound uh, <laughs> presentations have a keynote on that yet. Um, I haven't seen a keynote on that yet, but um, I'm, I'm, I, I think the solution to the, the shitstorm that is between digital and, and content marketing is kind of uh, fighting itself out where it is so difficult to read good content is so good difficult to find useful information that I think word of mouth and uh oh gosh I don't know if I love or hate this term but like dark social I'm doing air quotes around that but <laughs> like people emailing and texting and slacking each other links I think like so much of the best content marketing the way that it's getting passed around is actually invisible to us which is why you always got to tell your boss that direct is good direct traffic is good <laughs> I, I think a lot of it is resolving itself. I think a lot of disruption, not to use that word lightly, but disruption coming through robotics and, and automation. And I'm not I'm not qualified at all to be able to speak about that. I just feel it in my bones that it's coming, like a grandma on the porch, and I can see the tornado. And I'm just trying to tell y'all that I see the tornado coming, <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> totally. And I I'm 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 wondering. It's like. Brian and Darmesh at HubSpot, man, what, what's that keynote going to look like this year? I'm a- this got fired. I dare you know about content AI. I'll tell you what, though, I have never thought about it in the way you just described it, but I am sitting here and I am, I we do daily standups and I'm on like all of all that I'm talking about basically right now. I've got this, I'm, I've got 
content. And then I've got these strategic things that I want to work on. And I can't get, I, I barely can get to the strategic initiatives because I'm just doing content all day. Cause I know that's what the company needs right now. And we need to share our message. We need to create our voice and we need to take a stance and a point of view on the market. And so I'm happy to do that, but I can tell you, like I see like six months, 12 months down the road and I'm like, all right, well, I'm doing all this stuff right now. So when we bring someone else on board, like I can help alleviate some of my workload and they can know what they're doing. But now that you're saying like, maybe I can just have robots do half the shit and like I can focus, you know, 25 more percent of my time on some of these strategic initiatives that I'm interested in that, like sign me up, like, let me get a free trial of that because I could use the extra hours in my day. Exactly. I think, you know, there's somebody else have me on your podcast to talk about Protestant work ethic and uh, Puritans and uh, uh, how a lot of what we believed about work in the 1600s is still around today, just on Slack. Somebody else, whoever's listening, have me on. I want to rant more. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, there's, I, you know, the relationship between our labor and our writing, our writing being our labor, it's, it's all, it's all okay that it evolves. I think there's just so much fear around that because uh, people feel powerless. It feels like something's happening to them versus um, being able to be collaborative and participate in that. I would love to be part of some sort of cooperative ownership model over a ecosystem of kind of artificial intelligence. I think that could be the future of, of folks being able to co-own that and have some sort of say over how those things are designed in the same way that we see uh, when you only have white guys around a table and you're developing facial recognition software, they're going to detect non-white faces as being angrier uh, or more hostile. There's, I can, wherever you post this podcast, I can link to that research. That, but, you know, it really matters to have the right people around the table making these huge decisions about the future. And um yeah, I'd love to see content marketers be able to say in the direction, be able to have a say in the direction of their companies and be able to say, have a say in the direction of like how their labor happens. I think, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing three and four day work weeks succeed elsewhere in the world. We're seeing four hour workdays succeed. And I think that is a reality that doesn't just have to be for tech bros at the top. I think that can also be for tired parents and it could be for people who have interesting strategic ideas that they want to execute on, but just can't get out of the weeds. I think uh, the beauty of automation in the people's hands is just to be the the weed cutting service so that you can actually focus on the bigger things. Like, I don't know, solving hunger, ending cancer. You know, <laughs> there's a very big human, hell, like finding a cure for COVID. Like we have some really big human problems and we need to solve them like ASAP um, before the meteor comes, man, you know, like, we, we got, we got, let's, you know, chop, chop, let's go. Like, I don't have time to write <laughs> four, four blog post series about how to optimize your business on social. Like, you know, let me, let me, let me just give you the bullet points, you know, let's keep moving. Sure. I love that. One thing you touched on uh, that I want to get to before we round this out is what you mentioned, what'd you call it? The dark, what? sharing of dark content social i don't dark. remember where i read that it's yeah. not my phrase it's somebody else's the dark well it stands out to me because as i entered back into this b2b marketing space after working in marketing for different verticals like that like that's what hit me right away was the transfer of content and how distribution was happening and 
I'm a, I'm a fan of it. And I think it, it, I'm a fan of it because like as a marketing leader, like it, it tells me, you know what, some of these old metrics and things that we've been looking at for the past five to six years, maybe we need to refine these a little bit because real traction is happening one-to-one when people build and have, make these relationships and get to know each other and share content. And then those people that trust is earned between those two individuals that then one of those people shares that out in their newsletter, talks about it on a podcast. Like that is so powerful. And that's how like these pieces of software that we're all writing about, we're writing for or writing about, it's all commodities. It's very commoditized. Everyone's doing the same stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think our ability to connect with other like-minded individuals and build and develop trust that we then can go dig in deeply to their work and align ourselves with their work enough that we feel the need to promote it to our audience. That's some powerful stuff. And that's something that I've picked up on in this space that I think we need to pour gasoline on that because the more we do that, the more the people we're trying to reach out to are going to benefit from. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're seeing we, uh, I think anybody who's been working at a B2B software company in a marketing function has heard the phrase ABM more this year than ever before. I think, you know, that that personalized touch of like, we don't need, let's, let's stop spending $5,000 per SQL coming from this hyper-specific industry newsletter or whatever. Let's, you know, who is that one $5,000 person? And can we invest that money differently in actually converting that person into revenue? You know, like, let's, let's not make one PDF that's going to answer for everybody. Let's make a PDF for him. I think, you know, again, relation, labor, writing, value, you know, that it takes a lot of work. I think it can be really tough to sell people online. No, I really do need to take 15 hours this week to deeply research, write, design, edit an asset that is specific for Tomas. You know, like, oh, really? Like, that's what you're going to do with your week? But if you can convert somebody who's worth a million dollars to company, I think, yeah. And, and that's like, that's a real connection because you're talking to Tomas. You don't need to talk to the 10 other people that kind of look like Tomas, you know? And I think, yeah, something uh, I really, I, I, I really enjoy my clients that I'm working with at Animals. One of them said to us, we want this to be what our, our target person is sharing on their Slack. Like, I want this to be passed around in secret on Slack. That to them is the ultimate measure of content success, which is great to hear from a rising software company um, that this is on other people's minds too. I think, I think we're, we're about to burn out on those 20 field forms. What size company are you on? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If, if this is written for me, uh, you only need to know my name and my email and like, and, and if this is the right piece of content for me, if you have, if you have targeted my search term correctly and you understand my intent um, and you're not just trying to grab my traffic, you actually know who I am. You don't need to know what size company I'm at. I just, for whatever reason, I have a pet peeve of that. I'm like, make your SDR do that. That's not a lot of fun. Stop, stop putting that on your marketers. That, that's the, that's another battle. That's another shit storm. Yes. Um, <laughs> Man. I've got so many thoughts. I agree with you on the, like, I'm going to spend, I actually, like, I emphatically agree with you that if there is alignment with your business marketing sales team and, you know, the way you go to market and you were to say, hey, like this CMO of 
this X company, like, I think we can get his attention because I've noticed these few things that he's really passionate about on social media. I need to dig in a little bit deeper on his story and create this piece that then you as a salesperson can go deliver to get their attention. Like that to me, like you're cutting out so many steps to what you're trying to do by just creating a regular generic post. So that resonates with me. And, you know, ABM, it's, a lot of people have said, you know, ABM is just marketing. I think those are the people who might feel that personalization is important in the work that they do. But that that uh, that thought process is, it's not something that I think within businesses that just changes overnight, but I think testing things out and just experimenting internally and seeing the results, could there could be opportunity where a couple things hit and then all of a sudden your CMO or whoever's in charge of, you know, go to market says, you know what, let's kind of go all in on these initiatives because it's a better use of all of our time. Yes. Yes. It's, it's all about, again, going from a 70 hour work week to a 30 hour work week. Like what were you doing in those 40 hours? You were going after all the people that aren't your customer or you were trying to reach too many people, which of course every investor wants to believe that your product is for everyone. Uh, but you don't have to tell your investors that that's not your marketing strategy. Um, you can keep that hush hush. <laughs> I yeah. If um, no, if you ever hear somebody say our software is for everybody, run, run, don't do marketing for them. Because um, <laughs> even if that's true, uh, it's not a marketing strategy that you can feed yourself on. But yeah, you know, actually narrowing down uh, who you're talking to is just incredibly powerful. I think you know, politicians do this really well. We watched a lot of different presidential candidates choose their audience and you could tangibly feel whether or not you were their desired audience by how they spoke to you. You know, I think, I think you, you can really, when, when it's the message that's meant for you, you come alive, you light up, you understand that it's for you. Um, in the same way that a bunch of B2B messages are not actually for the VP. People want them to be for the VP, but they're actually for the people who report to the VP because those are the people who actually make that VP's decision. Sorry, VPs, but uh, you know, y'all hire good teams for a reason. And those are the people who actually have time to read blog posts and and filter them up to you. Those those people are the most interesting to me, uh, is you know, the person who reports to Tomas. I think uh I, I really like that we've invented Tomas. He sounds like a really cool guy. Um who just hired a great team. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, narrowing, narrowing it down and uh, it's just so much more impactful and so much less wasted energy, you know, a more meaningful life, a more meaningful relationship with your writing and with your work. Totally. I, I, so one of my favorite things in marketing is making things exclusive. It plays into the uh, psychology of consumers. And there's so many people that are just trying to grab a hold of everybody who does marketing, where they're not thinking about the audiences that they serve. They're not thinking about the segments of the market. And I think if people would just focus in a little more time, it's like with this show, I don't want like every marketer across the nation to like listen to the show and find value. Like the things I'm talking about on the show are very specific and pointed to a group of people. Because if we, if, if I'm having conversations with people like you and we're sharing opinions and thoughts that trigger inspiration and trigger them to want to engage, like that's winning. And I just think so much stuff is watered down and made for everyone that the more, the, the more as marketers, we can be, thinking 
very strategically and thoughtful about the people we're trying to reach out to, the more you're going to win. Oh, absolutely. And, and there's no harder audience to market to than marketers. I don't envy anybody in marketing tech. I think you have the hardest job and I don't want your job um, because we're snarky and we will pull apart your ad copy and we will judge you based on your ebook that you shared to us. Yeah. I, it's, <laughs> I, I have been targeted many, so many a time for an ad that I'm just like, you don't understand me. And you're hypothetically a marketer talking to a marketer about your marketing product. And you're like, don't you hate, and you know, uh, trying to hit your MQL number. And I'm like, kind of, but like, <laughs> what? You know, it's, it's just very, you know, they did three persona interviews and grabbed the top three bullet points and just like decided to make an entire ad strategy around that. Um, yeah. And it's, it's, it is extra hilarious that it's done poorly at marketers by marketers. <laughs> yes. Oh uh, man. We like, we've covered so much ground. I think I could talk for the next three hours. Maybe we close out with this though. Just piece of advice, piece of feedback. You, we've covered many topics that anyone listening in kind of the content marketing space, you want to leave them with. Oh, what a nice, generous question. I think if if every content marketer did this, it would be a better industry. Uh, lift something, lift somebody up around you who um, needs it. I take take that call with somebody who's super junior, fresh out of college, and give them advice. Get somebody a phone interview with your buddy just so they can get the experience. As as many doors that are locked around you that you have the key to unlock, you should unlock them because it will make the industry a better place. I love it. That is. Uh... Man, that's good. It it reminds me of the which I always botch this. Maybe you can help me out. What's the uh, JFK quote? Uh, all boats ride or oh yeah, because you just asked me, I completely forgot. But I understand what you're saying. And you, we you, AP history right now. I know. Okay. I'll have to. I'll on the. Uh, there we go. There we go. Gosh, I, for for whatever that is like, that is a quote when you mentioned stuff like that, that I always want to use. And I at rising, I got to, st- I always want to start with boats and I botch it in my head. Oh yeah. I, I have like misquoted so many poets that I think I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's where all the poets are, but like still it's bad. I'm like, oh yeah. You know that Mary Oliver quote. And then like, look, look, look. it's like, no, that's not poetry. That's something you made up. Yes. <laughs> oh, we all do it. Joanna, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective on the content marketing landscape. Where can people uh, find you on the internet? I, I'm on LinkedIn. I post occasional snarky takes there, uh, which <laughs> shouldn't, I shouldn't post that on LinkedIn, but it's where it is. And yeah, I definitely, if you're just new to content marketing, if you uh, want to chat, I'm there, DM me and uh, definitely subscribe to the animals blog too. That is, <laughs> and like, nobody told me to say that uh, because that's not the type of company that we are, but it is a genuinely helpful blog that will help your career. So <laughs> I, I I will uh, advocate for that. I have just in my role, jumping back into it, have I'd probably say if I had a leaderboard up and helpful blog posts, animals would be one or two in terms of content that I've consumed that I've actually made me think and inspire action. So Joanna, thank you so much. Well, there's so much ground to cover. We'll have to have you back on here um, later this year. I'd love that. Thank you so much, Brett. This has been a pleasure. How was that for a conversation? 
I know I learned a ton. I told you to sign up for our newsletter. Make sure you sign up for Animals Newsletter. It is awesome. One of my favorites that comes in my inbox every week. Chock full of great stuff. Definitely hit that subscribe button if you like what you've been hearing on the 3C Podcast. We'll be back on Monday with another one. Have a nice week and take care of yourself and others around you and talk to you real soon.